Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. Oh, this morning that our flesh desires things that aren't of God. How many know that this morning? I mean, no, there's a, a constant battle in our lives to do right. There's a battle between darkness and light. There's a battle between what God wants us to do and what our spirit wants us to do. And I want to I talk about that a little bit this morning. But before we get into it, let's let anybody who's never been here for the first time, they're your guests this morning, it's your first time, let's let them know they're welcome this morning by telling them thank you for coming. Amen. We're not going to embarrass you or make you stand, but we're glad you're here. And uh, I, see some, I see some faces I think are new, and we've got also got people watching online. Uh, our online is growing, praise God, and we just want to be what God's called us to be, amen? And so I, I would have been thinking for a couple weeks about this message that I'm preaching today, and, and I want to talk about how important it is to realize that battle of the flesh and the spirit, how the flesh, our flesh, every day when we wake up, it wants to do fleshly things, carnal things. Carnal thoughts, carnal actions. Have you ever just woke up and just want to slap somebody? Right? Anybody? That's carnal, amen? Uh, have you ever had somebody pull in front of you and you just want to run them over? Like not kill them, but hit their car real hard. Right? And just wish you could go back to normal after, just, just to make a statement. Am I, am I the only carnal person here? We, we deal with flesh all the time. We deal with that, that thing. And, and, and so I, I, I get frustrated as a pastor. I've been saying this recently, and I said it Wednesday. I feel like a lot of times as a pastor of the church, I have to protect. This is the flock that God has given me to protect. A pastor shepherds and keeps away the wolves from his flock and keeps them safe and tries to lead them and guide them to where they're supposed to go. And I feel like a lot of times I'm protecting you more from the church world than I am from the world itself. I mean, there's a lot of garbage being preached today in the churches, a lot of liberty and a lot of grace and a lot of grace is God's gift to us. But there's a lot of abuse on those things, and one of the subjects the Lord has put on my heart that I want to talk about this morning goes along those lines, and it's not the only one, but I'm thinking about how important it is to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God instead of being filled with the things of the world. There's lots of stuff to be filled with, and so my title this morning, if you look at it this morning, you're taking notes, is, no title, all right, I got to look at my notes then, are you, f- see that, I, I love when that happens. I love when I have feel resistance. I love when, when uh, I, things don't work because that means the devil's working. I, I like it. It makes me happy because the devil lives in the sound booth, lives in this, not in the people. He just lives in the sound booth. Amen. He lives in the projector. He lives in the live stream. He's, he's, he's hanging out in there. The Bible actually says he's the prince of the air, but he's defeated. Amen. Are you filled with the spirit today or are you filled with spirits? Amen? There's, there's filled with the Spirit or there's filled with spirits. So I want to talk this morning about a subject that is, is very, very necessary in the church world today. And uh, I, like I said, I feel like it's something that unfortunately I have to talk about that I don't even think we should have to talk about, but I do. So go to Ephesians chapter 5, and I'm going to talk to you from my heart. I'm going to talk to you about some comments. How many like common sense? Does anybody in here, raise your hand if you have common sense. All right. You can't teach common sense. You just either have it or you don't. Amen? And you can't teach stupid. You just either have it or you don't. Amen? 
I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you're stupid. Amen. But that's actually in the Bible, by the way. That word is there, so don't get mad. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. I see a lot of, of things. Take that off for one second. I, I see a lot of things uh, on, on videos and different things where I, I listen a lot of times to what pastors are saying and, and what they're telling their congregations. And a lot of people are looking for answers. And so they think that the answers are just right there on the Internet. You just go there and get your answer. The problem with looking for answers, if you're not careful and don't know your Bible, is that you can find the answers you want. Right? You can find them. You can find somebody who will agree with what you want to do, including pastors. And I see all the time, and I actually did it myself this week. I put some YouTube in and some searches to see what would come up. And it seemed like every video I found was a pastor trying to encourage people to drink alcohol. Literally. I actually showed my son-in-law between services. It's borderline ridiculous. And I, I just feel like as human beings, we don't need help. As believers, we don't need a pastor to stand up in the congregation and go, yeah, do what you want. Do it. Right? I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but I don't need that. I need someone to tell me, that's probably not the way you want to go. That's probably not the path you want to take. So Ephesians chapter 5 says this, verse 18. Don't be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. How many have ever heard that verse before? Let me, hear, let me see your hand if you've ever heard that verse. That's one of the most used verses in the Bible for me to be able, and I'm just saying it's theoretically, for me to be able to drink. Because what they'll do is they'll take that verse and, and they'll, they'll use it for their benefit, and they'll say, as long as you don't get drunk, it's okay to drink. My problem is, is who knows what drunk is? Like, we have a law that tells us what drunk is, but how do we know what God's drunk is? Anybody got the fear of the Lord in them? I don't know what God's definition of drunk is. But the problem is also, as you look at this verse... I believe that this verse has been used by the devil to twist what God really wanted to say. What he was really saying was, there's so many things in this world you can try to fill the void with, but you can be filled with my Holy Spirit. That's, that's what he's really saying. And it wasn't to put the emphasis on the drinking part. But we're flesh and we're people that, that want to you know, do what we want to do or do what feels good. And so... A lot of churches today are, are preaching what I consider a very greasy grace message. And there's not a lot of talk about holiness. There's not a lot of talk about repenting. There's not a lot of talk about being different from the world. And I don't know about you, but I still believe that the Bible wants us to be different from the world. And he wants us to be separate from the world. And he wants us to be out of the world. We, can't, we live in this world, but we're not of this world. Does anybody agree with me? It don't matter if you do. Amen. I'm still going to preach it. Here's an interesting thing about this verse. I use the New King James Version. Put it back up, please. And I, I use that because I believe the King James is the, is the best translation, the most literal, straight-across-the-board translation from the Bible without errors. But New King James takes out the thous and the thys. Helps me a lot. Okay, so I like New King James. But it's interesting because a lot of times when you go to New Living Translation or other translations, it'll, it'll actually weaken a verse. It'll actually make it less powerful. In this situation with talking about drinking, it actually makes it more powerful, which is interesting. So it's, I'm going to use it today to show you that. 
And just to put a disclaimer out, you can go ahead and leave that verse up. They'll probably put it on the side on the live stream. Just to put out a disclaimer, in case I forget, I just want to make it clear for anybody that cares, I don't drink any alcohol. I don't drink wine. I don't drink beer. I don't drink, I don't drink anything. I, I, for myself, declare a total absence, absence from any kind of alcohol. Just so you know my answer right off the bat, okay? But like I said, you can get online and find all kinds of pastors that will say, it's okay to drink, it's not a sin to drink, and all kinds of other things. And I feel like that's a waste of time anyways. But that's out there, okay? So I'm making that clear. But in this verse, it says, don't be drunk with wine, which is dissipation. And I don't know, raise your hand if you know what dissipation is. Very few, okay? There's a few educated, smart, smart people in here. Here's what it means in another translation. New Living says, because it will ruin your life. That's what dissipation. He says, don't be drunk with wine because it will ruin your life. Does anybody in here know somebody that alcohol has ruined their life? Let me see your hand. Anybody that's not raising your hand, you live under a rock. Amen? Or you weren't paying attention to the question and you're like, I'm not raising it because I don't know what he said. Amen? Does anybody know somebody whose life has been destroyed by alcohol? So it says, don't be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, or because it will ruin your life. And then the Living Bible says this, because its many evils lie along that path. But it says, be filled with the Spirit. Amen? Now, today, this is something, like I said, that is very prevalent in the church. It's something that's happening a lot. It's talked about a lot. It's questioned a lot. And I want to answer the question uh, I probably haven't preached on this most recently enough, um, and it needs to be preached often because it's a subject that needs to be talked about. And um, I want, it's kind of cool because I've had this in my notes for about two or three weeks, and I've been working on it and waiting to know when to preach it. And actually, our fellowship came out this We have a thing called the, um, I just lost the Bible, Base Camp, sorry. It's all the pastors around the world. We get on there and we share sermons and we share stuff. And just this week, they shared something about, it's called Sipping Saints from David Wilkerson back in the 80s that he wrote about drinking alcohol. And I thought it was a perfect confirmation to me that I was supposed to preach it this Sunday. So I want to go over two reasons this morning, okay? Two reasons why the people say in the Bible that we can drink. And some will not only say can, say should. You should drink alcohol because you are free in Christ, and you got freedom, so you should drink alcohol, okay? That's not my take, but that's some pastors take. Number one is 1 Timothy chapter 5. This is one of the most used ones. Don't drink only water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and your frequent infirmities. Now, again, we're going to use a lot of common sense here for a few minutes, okay? We're going to tap into our common sense, and, and, and when you read this verse, it's not hard to see that Paul is telling Timothy to drink some wine for the ailment of his stomach, and that it is for infirmities. Okay, it is for sickness. Is that, does anybody else see that? It's not that hard to see that, right? And I'm going to get into in a minute that the fact that it talks about the mixture of water and liquor. Okay? That baby's going to help me preach today. Amen. She's saying amen. Okay, y'all see that? Number two, here's the other one. Jesus drank wine. 
Je- that's, that, everybody said, Jesus drank wine. And so we just, let's just go with that. Everybody wants to just go with that. Jesus drank wine. Let's go to John chapter 2. Let's, ha- let's see what this comes from. Let's talk about it a little bit. And listen, you make your choice. Tell the person next to you, you make your choice. Tell them, you do what you want to do. And I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Okay? As we begin to read this, I'm going to make a disclaimer for our church in case anybody doesn't know. We have about 65 people in our church that serve on our, on our serve team. 65 to 70. In our church, you cannot drink alcohol and serve. That's our standard. Okay? That's our standard. I don't know what our serve team does at their house. I don't live with them. I'm not the Holy Spirit. But our team, when they say, I want to serve in church, and we want people to serve, they fill out, a, a, they read a thing called the requirements of expectations for ministry, and then they sign something that says they comply with all the agreements. Because how many know in church we should have, a, if any place in the world should have a standard, it should be in church. And so our team does not, takes the exact same abstinence that I take, and so if you ever want to serve, you, you have to know that's, that's how it is. And then if you take that and sign it and you don't do that, that's between you and God. Because I'm not God and I can't be at your house. But that's our standard. It's a very high standard. And I believe that that should be the standard in any, any church. But unfortunately, it's not. As we get into this, and I just wanted to make that clear so you know where we stand. As we go to this miracle of Jesus that everybody uses, I'm going to read this to you and I'm going to teach you some things that you might not know. Because what we do as human beings, and I said this in the very beginning, is we like to find loopholes for our flesh. And like I said, I'm just going to say this again. No matter what you want to do, I mean, I'm not going to take the time to list it. Any sin you want to do, I promise you, you can find somebody who will make it okay in the scriptures. I promise. You can find a place, anything you want to do. Okay? I promise. It's the truth. But that's not what God's looking for. God's looking for us to live holy lives according to his scriptures, okay? And so in this story, watch this. On the, and as we're about to read it, I want you to do two things. I want you to put yourself in the story, and I want you to think of Jesus, your Savior, at this story, okay? I want you to think about that as I read this, what kind of Jesus you serve and know from the Bible and what he would do at this wedding feast, Okay? So it says, on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and Jesus' mother was there. So now mom was there. How many know you act different when mom was around? Right? you got to be on your best behavior when mom's around. So both Jesus and his mom and his disciples are there. So he is, he is surrounded by people that are very important in his life that he is trying to influence. And it says they were invited to a wedding. And when they ran out of wine... The mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? He knows what she's trying to get him to do. My hour has not yet come. His mother says, being a mother, didn't really listen to Jesus, do whatever he says to do. Do it. Now, there was six water pots. Y'all with me at the party? There were six water pots of stone according to the manner of the purification of the Jews. And watch what the Bible tells us. Each pot contained 20, stay there for a second, or 30 gallons of water. 
Anybody that's decent at math knows that 20 times, oh, we got times six is 120, okay? Or times 30 would be 180. So there was 180, 120 to 180 gallons of water that they grabbed. How many know that's a lot of water? Okay? If you had 200 people at the party, each of them would have to drink almost a gallon of water. Just trying to get you to understand how much water this is that they're going to take. And he's about to do this miracle. Most of you know what the miracle is. It's called Jesus turned water into wine. As he's about to do this miracle, they've already drank a whole bunch of something. Okay? Already. Now they're going to bring out another 180, 120 to 180 gallons of water. Let's keep reading. Jesus says, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them to the brim, all the way to the top. And he said, draw some out, take it to the master of the feast, and they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew... The master, leave this there for one second, please, of the feast called the bridegroom. Now, i got to say something important here that's going to help you that lots of people don't know already as you begin to read this story. Water in the Bible times, sorry, wine in the Bible times is, was not the same as wine today. Okay? If you didn't know that, now you know. The strength, the power, the proof, for, you know they use the word proof? 100 proof, like you got an alcohol that's 100 proof, that means it's 50% alcohol. Okay? Y'all with me? Some of y'all know really well what I'm talking about. Okay? It 50, 100 proof is 50% alcohol. And proof didn't even start getting used till the 1800s when, the, when they started wanting to tax alcohol. There was no distillation in the times of the Bible. Okay? The distillation of alcohol started most likely in the Middle Ages. If anybody doesn't know what the Middle Ages, about a thou- the year 1000. 1,000 years after Jesus, 1,000 years ago. Y'all staying with me? So in other words, the power to make alcohol like we have today, where there's 100 proof or 50 proof or 200 proof, which is 100% alcohol, that did not exist until the year th- 1000. So alcohol was not the same. Wine, you say, Jesus drank wine. Well, Jesus didn't drink wine like we drink wine today, first and foremost. Y'all with me on that? Okay. Did Jesus drink wine? Yes, the Bible says wine right there, but it wasn't the same. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break that down a little more and explain it to you, but I want you to think about that as we're doing this, as we're just using our common sense. Okay. Let's keep reading. So he says, the master says, at at Every man at the beginning sets out the good stuff. And when the guests have well drunk, notice that most people today would say, when the guests got drunk, because that's what we would do to change the verbiage so it would fit us. Didn't say they got drunk. It says they drunk a lot. Okay? When they do that, it says the the guests have drunk well. Then, Then they bring out the inferior stuff. But you have kept the good wine until now. Now, 
I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I know I got some ex-drinkers in here. I'm not going to say drinkers because maybe you are, maybe you aren't. I know I got some ex-drinkers in here. And, and just let me ask you a common sense question. When you're tipsy, when you're drunk and under the influence, and you get to a certain point where you have drank quite a bit, Dwayne, you don't really, really, really care what the alcohol tastes like after a while as long as it's alcohol. Am I right? And you would even probably get to a point where you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. You'd be kind of slurring with your words a little bit. And you, you might be able to say, this is, this is better than it was in the beginning. But how would you even know that because you're drunk? Anybody there with common sense with me at this wedding? If they had drank so much already, they'd already be intoxicated. How would he even know that it was better? Because it was so diluted and not fermented in the sense of how we drink it that they could taste how good it tasted. Y'all with me? Now I want you to be at that party with Jesus and his 12 disciples and his mom. And let's just hypothetically say that it was wine like today, and they were drunk. Does the Jesus that you serve seem like the one that would be at a party and the very first miracle he ever makes would be to make drunk people drunker? Quiet in here. We're just walking down common sense lane. But that's not how the preachers want to preach it for some reason. I don't know what, if they're paid by the devil or what. I don't know why the preachers want churches to drink. I don't know what the agenda is. I don't know if they're sponsored by some by Jim Beam or something. I don't know what the deal is. I don't know why preachers are getting on saying, is it a sin to drink? Nope, you should drink because that's not what you're going to hear from me. How many are with me? I'm just taking my time on this for a second. Jesus says don't get, Jesus, let me, let me just show you what Jesus did. Go to Leviticus 10. Watch this. Jesus is our high priest. Not just some human being that was walking around. He's our high priest. And so he comes from the priesthood. He is the priest. He is the pastor. He is the leader. And in Leviticus chapter 10, you, says, you see that the Lord spoke to Aaron and said to him, and the same he speaks to me as a pastor, do not drink wine or intoxicating drink. You nor your sons with you when you go into the tabernacle of meeting, lest you die. So Jesus is going to come along in the Jesus that these, this other Jesus people are preaching, and he's going to break his own word. He's going to say, they, they, don't, they took that vow, but I'm Jesus. I don't have to take that vow. I can drink at the, at the feast. I can get drunk. This is a vow they made, and it says it shall be a statue forever throughout your generations. Watch the next part. That you may distinguish between holy and unholy and between clean and unclean. You know, we have a problem in the church today is we don't know how to distinguish between clean and unclean and holy and unholy. I saw a little thing the other day that was so true. It said if today's church, if we were in today's, in today's uh, the church of the Bible, Paul would be giving us a letter. Paul would be giving us a letter. Now I'm saying that in the general church. I don't want to get a letter from Paul unless it's, hey, doing good job. Y'all still with me? Tell me you're not with me if you're not with me. Just kidding. So we have a standard. And it's Jesus' standard. It's the Old Testament standard. It's that if I'm a true believer and I'm set apart, I don't do those things. 
I don't do what the world does. I don't look to see how I can be like the world. I'm trying to come out of the world. I live in the world, but I'm not like the world. Because Jesus saved me from that world, and that's who I used to be. Ephesians tells us, that's who I once was. Now, listen to this. Now I'm going to go back to the water, going back to Timothy with the stomach and the water. This is what most people don't know, and I hadn't heard one person mention it in the videos I watched. Water, back in the time of the drinking of wine of the Bible, was mixed, sorry, wine was mixed with water. Very rarely, and I'm going to get to that in a second, very rarely did they ever not mix it. As a matter of fact, let's go backwards for a second. If you had a one-to-one mixture back in those times, I'm reading this from Oxford University. That's not a Christian university. They said that one, one part, let's just say it's an ounce, gallon, whatever you want to say, one part wine, one part water, would be considered barbaric and dangerous to the health And barbarians would drink like that, and Spartans would drink like that, and it would cause insanity and death if they would mix one part one, one part water back in those times. Not even totally wine. One part water, one part wine. But the the Oxford University says most of the time they would take one to two parts, which let's say one to two ounces of, of wine, to four to six parts water. So they're diluting it. And actually, listen to this, this isn't being preached. Most of the time when they were mixing water with wine, it was really the other way around. They were adding the wine to the water to kill bacteria so that they could safely drink water. What Timothy was having as a problem is he was drinking too much of their water. They didn't have Primo. They didn't have uh, what these water brands we have today, we can go get clean water. They had to drink the water they had, and the water sometimes would be full of bacteria. And so Paul, Timothy's drinking all this water, and Paul says, add some wine to it for your stomach so you don't get sick. They do this in other parts of the world, too. They have to add stuff to the water. They have to boil the water to get it to where they can drink it. But it actually says that in Bible times, it is more likely that they, when the wine that they were drinking at that party was one part wine to 20 parts water. Now here's some perspective. At the very highest of, of two parts to four to six, it would have been three to five percent alcohol. Three to five percent alcohol. At the very least mixture, and they would mix it much higher. Today, a glass of wine, on average, has 12% alcohol. That's three to four times the most, le- or sorry, the least, or the most powerful that they would drink back in Bible times. Are you following me? It's not the same wine. You cannot p- compare apples to apples. And, and, and I'll go to heaven arguing the fact that my Jesus would not have been in a party with a bunch of drunk people and his first miracle was to make a bunch of drunk people more drunk. I'm just going to go with that. I don't believe that. I don't believe that that's what happened. So here's something most of you don't know or maybe you do. A lot of people don't. Did, did you know this? What, what, what people try to do is, okay, I don't drink beer, I don't drink vodka, I don't drink whiskey, but just a little bit of wine. That's what we're, we'll just go there. Just a little bit of wine. Just a little bit of wine. Wine has twice the alcohol of beer. But that, that's how we are as people. We like to just kind of justify things and don't know the facts. Okay? And, and, and I, I started to think about some things as I was just going down common sense lane. Lord was just kind of taking me down the street of common sense. And I, and I opened up my, my internet to the Center for Disease Control. 
And you know what the first thing that pops up on the Center for Disease Control? Alcohol. Alcohol is a disease. It's a disease. It's on the Center for Disease Control. When was the last time you said, I just want a little bit of disease? It's just a little bit. Give me a little bit of COVID. If someone offered you a drink of, of COVID, would you drink it? It's on the Center for Disease Control. Another thing is I was looking at some sites, and I pulled up a site called alcohol.org. Now, please do it later. Don't do it now on your phones. We got, sometimes you got your phones. In the, I want you to stay focused on the message. Alcohol.org. You just got to trust me, okay? Argue with me later, but I'm, this is all facts. Alcohol.org. I'm just looking at some facts and how many people are drunk. Let's say there's 200 people here. Sorry, alcoholics. 200 people here, okay, in this congregation right now. 20 of us statistically are alcoholics. 20. 20% of America has an alcohol problem. So 20 out of us 200 right here are alcoholics. That's a problem. And as I'm on this alcohol.org page, guess what's keep popping up on my computer? The 1-800 hotline. Do you need help? Do you need to get free? Do you need to get changed? Do you need to? All these pop-ups kept coming up, and I thought, man, that's, that's crazy. Isn't that, isn't that amazing that it's not really a problem, but why is the 1-800 hotline popping up all the time on me? And then I got back to my, to my message, and I thought, why do they call it spirits? But we don't think about that, do we? People walk in today, there's people already walked out. People right now at 11 o'clock, almost 12, half of Denton's probably drunk already. Already drunk. Already been to the store. Already went to the spirit place. We came to the spirit place too. Amen. And we didn't have to pay to get in. And what we get, we won't lose. And what we get, we're going to remember. So I was just thinking about a few things. Let's go to Proverbs 20, verse 1. I, read, I sent this out yesterday in the Bible verses. Wine is a mocker. I think about why, why would it be called a mocker? Because, because it doesn't seem that dangerous. Why is wine a mocker? Why, why, what's a, what does a mocker do? It makes fun of. And I'm, I'm going to throw this in right now. I don't know if it's in my notes later, but this is, I want you to think about something. Do you know anybody in your life who woke up one day and said, I think I'm going to be an alcoholic? Have you ever met someone that woke up and said, these three or four drinks I'm drinking right now, I can handle it, I'm good. You hear that all the time, don't you? I can handle it, I'm good. You don't ever have say, hey, I'm Blake, nice to meet you, I'm an alcoholic. You know when people admit that? At AA. And you know why they admit it at AA? Because someone tells them to. You're never in your life going to meet someone in, your, in the street that shakes your hand and says, hey, I'm an alcoholic. Because they don't admit it. Because they're mocked by the spirit of the enemy. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is a brawler. And whoever is led astray by it is not wise. We have so many, thank God, testimonies in this church of people who have been set free from the mocker, set free from the spirit of the devil that kills, steals, and destroys. 
How many are thankful for that? And some of you are set free because I preach this kind of message. Santos is sitting over there will not mind me saying it. He's sitting here today free. Now how many years? Four years free of alcohol. Amen. But stay with me. He, he will not mind me saying that. I got some people in this church that tell, tell him I don't care. He's been coming to this church for six. So you do the math. And all the other churches he went to before he came here, every time he wanted to quit, every time he wanted to stop drinking, he'd go meet with a pastor or a deacon or a leader in the church at a meal, and they would drink. And so he couldn't get set free because his flesh was like, oh, yeah, praise the Lord. This is a good church. It's a good church. They, they drink like I do. But see, maybe the other ones drinking that wine or that beer don't have a problem. Almost lost his marriage. Beautiful, a beautiful, beautiful family that he has. Amen? Wife's back there serving right now. Kids serving. Because of the grace of God. Because the message needs to be preached. The truth needs to be preached. Not what we want to hear, but what we need to hear. Anybody go get gas in the last 24 hours? I'm going to blow you away right now. How many have been to the gas station and when you're about to get gas, you read that sign that says, this product contains ethanol. Guess what you're drinking when you drink alcohol? The same. Somebody say same. I, st I, st I, I don't ever make a statement unless I go to lots of places to confirm it. The same ethanol that's in the gas you put in your car is in liquor. You're drinking ethanol. There would be these guys in Costa Rica, everywhere you walked, my daughters remember this, we'd walk over there in Pavas, you'd walk down this train track and you'd see these little tiny bottles of rubbing alcohol. Pure 100% rubbing alcohol, Dianza. Little ones like this. And they would buy them at the store. Imagine seeing someone go to the gas station. Just That's almost what they're doing. And some of them be on the side of the road, and their stomach just sick. But we don't know because the commercials don't tell us that. But the, the thing that makes me so mad today, so mad, is why the church has to talk about this stuff. I don't understand that. Why is the church advocating that drinking is okay when there's alcoholics sitting in the congregation that don't need someone to tell them it's okay? And listen, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to chase a rabbit for just a second. There's a whole lot of other things that are going on in our society that, that from, from sexual orientation to across the board, things that are happening in the church because preachers aren't dealing with sin anymore. And so they're getting it, that it's okay, and they, and they say, that's what my flesh wants. That's, you're welcome here. You can live like you want, do what you want. Everybody's welcome. But when you come into the presence of a living God, he's not going to leave you the same way you are when you came in. He's going to change you. He's going to transform you, and he's going to show you how to live your life according to the word of God. Everybody's welcome, but God's word's going to change you. Watch Proverbs 23. Amazing, amazing verses. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? 
Who has complaints? By the way, the, the, the author of this verse that I'm reading right here, who so greatly explains this, was the smartest and dumbest man who ever lived on the face of the earth. It's pretty crazy you can be both. All of us are probably both at different times in our life. Let's be the smart ones. He was the wisest man who ever lived and ended up being the dumbest because he went, he, he went off with a bunch of women and we never see a repentance from Solomon. So he says, who has complaints? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? Those who linger long at vodka. Those who linger long at Jack Daniels. Jim Bean. No, just wine. That's the mocker. That's how he gets you in. Those who go in search of mixed wine. Watch this. Do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup. See, that's what the commercials show you. They show you the beautiful Thanksgiving dinner. They show you the romantic meal with the husband and wife. Or maybe the husband and another lady. Sparkles, looks pretty, swirls around, smooth, and then it bites. They don't show you the bite. How come they don't show the bite on the commercial? How come they don't show the next day? How come they don't show the consequences? But the Bible does. It says it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things. Your heart will utter perverse things. Yes, you'll be like the one who lies down in the midst of the sea or like the one who ties at the top of the mast, saying, they have struck me, but I wasn't hurt. They have beaten me, but I didn't feel it. When shall I awake that I may seek another drink? Powerful scriptures. Powerful explanation of what that, that cup does to people. Now, I'm going to stay on common sense here for a second. I'm going to give you some of you all the benefit of the doubt as I begin to close. And I'm going to say, if you're here, and because we already know without a fact, without a doubt, it's a fact, you can't get drunk. Okay, we know that for sure. Bible says you can't get drunk. But I still want to know what the definition of drunk is for God. I was going over different titles, and I was asking my kids and my wife, which title should I go with? This is the one they came up with, and we, we chose this one. But I, one of them was, what is drunk to God? Because, like, how do we know is, did God send you a raven to your house with a little note that says, for you, Paul Platt, it's just two glasses of wine. If you do one, you're fine. Or did he go send a raven to Dwayne's house that says, two beers, it's okay. But if you drink three, you're going to hell. Like, how do we know what drunk is to God? See, that's why I don't drink anything. Because I like to play it on the safe side. Because I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to miss God's blessing. So I just stay away from it. Now, I'm going to hit a little cloud over some of your heads for a second that are saying, and rightfully so, gluttony is a sin. Yes, it is. And all kinds of other ones. Things that, you know, unforgiveness is a sin. Lots of, 
I'm just going to hit a cloud. But I've never seen a glutton beat his wife because of what he was eating. Unless it was badly cooked. <laughs> I've never seen a glutton hit a head-on collision with somebody and kill him. Y'all following me? It's a sin. It's wrong. It's something that, that person needs to deal with God on the temple of their, of their Holy Spirit. But you can't, don't try to do the apples to apples thing. Don't do it. Because the influence of the spirit that is on alcohol is greater than we give credit to it to. It's destroyed more marriages, ruined more lives, caused more suicides, caused people to miss the destiny of God than anything in the world. But the commercials are beautiful and neat and pretty. And one of these days, I'm not a politician, but one of these days, they're going to have to do with alcohol what they did with cigarettes. Remember when they came out and made them put the sign on? This will kill you, pretty much. But they don't do that because alcohol is legal. So that's why this is such an important thing, because it's legal. It's not illegal. Any one of you right now can leave this if you're over 21, and you can go buy alcohol for no problem. You can't go legally buy marijuana. You can't go yet. You can't go legally buy cocaine. You can't go legally buy, all, you know, all the, but alcohol is legal. Okay? So, can't get drunk, but watch this. Before we read one more, one more verse. Can't get drunk, but if you can take that glass of wine and you can just drink it for the enhancement of the taste of your food. Because that's what they say. I drink wine because it makes my food taste better. If that's how you drink wine, I say you probably do that. But if you drink wine because it makes you feel better, because it takes the edge off, because it gives you a little buzz, then there's something wrong. Because you're going to something to get for your body that God can give you. Amen? So if you care, only if you care, I just want to give you four reasons why I don't drink. Real quick. Four reasons. There's more. I've given you a bunch already. But here's one. Because the world has a problem with it. The world has a problem with it. Even though the world loves it, the world has a problem with it. Whenever there's a center for disease control, Whenever there's an alcohol.org page, whenever there's a ministry called Alcoholics Anonymous, that are none of those are Christian, there's a problem. If the world has a problem with it, the church should have a problem with it. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says this, do not quench the spirit. This is just one of the many things I can do to quench the spirit. It says, don't quench the spirit. Don't despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast which is good. And this is what I want you to see more than anything. Abstain from every form of evil. If the world says it's bad, it's bad. It's really bad if the world says it's bad because they don't have any morals. The world doesn't have moral standards. And somehow a lot of people that aren't even saved would tell you, alcohol destroyed my husband. Alcohol destroyed my family. Alcohol destroyed my mom and dad. Alcohol did this and that. Don't even know the Lord. And they'll tell you it's wrong. But we're going to come into church and tell the church it's okay to drink. 
That's one reason. Number two, even if it's okay, let's just say it's okay. Let's just, let me just change my tune and say it's okay to drink wine. It's okay to drink beer. You figure out what drunk is to, between you and God. Even if that's the case, I can cause someone to stumble and fall because of my life. Romans 15, 13. Watch this. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or cause to fall in our brother's way. So I might be able to handle a glass of wine or a beer or whatever, but somebody that's watching me, if I was at lunch after church with my wife and we went to Applebee's and I, needed, and I got a steak because I love steak and I said, man, I need a glass of wine so this taste will taste better. And one of you walk into the church and you see pastor drinking wine in a lot of churches, that wouldn't be a problem. But in this church, you know I don't drink. So it would be a stumbling block to you. you or it, it, let's just say we don't have a problem with drinking. And you walk in, but you have a problem with drinking. And pastor's drinking. Or one of the leaders is drinking. And now, oh, I can drink too then. But I can drink my one glass of wine to enhance the taste of my meat. But once alcohol touches your mouth, you turn into a crazy person. And do crazy things. And you have tendencies in your life that you didn't even know you had. So number three goes right along with number two. What if? What if? What if I have a problem? What if the next drink I take is the one that takes me where Satan wants me to go? Because I, I, I know lots of people in here who've been through rehabs, been through breakaway, been through next step, or not next step, 12-step uh, pro programs, all kinds of different things. And I know that you did not wake up one day and go, I'm going to destroy my family. I'm going to have an alcohol problem. I'm going to someday die from cirrhosis of the liver. That's what I'm going to do with my life. What if you can't handle it like you think you can? Because everybody thinks they can. And the truth is, not very many people can. And the last one is, it's the best. Actually, let me, let me finish three. I, I left one very important part off. When Paul and Brenda came into our church, they, they drank alcohol. They, they, they don't have no problem saying that. Wine, with the meal, whatever. And they started serving. And so they came on board with what we, what we asked. And down the road, if you know Brenda, she, she likes to battle a little bit and fight a little bit with the rules. And she's like, I don't have a problem with it. I just need it to relax, whatever she said. And, I, and here's what I told her. Okay, maybe that's true. But what about your boys? What if your boys, and the, and the interesting thing is, is she lost her mom and dad and her brother to alcoholism. It's, it's, a, it's almost a sickness in our minds 
that we can have somebody so close to us die from the poison, yet we want to play with it. It's amazing. So I said, maybe your boys have the tendencies to become alcoholics. Don't do it. Y'all following me? Maybe you can handle it, which I don't think you can. But if you can, what if your kid can't? And the last one is, God has something better for me. God has his spirit. Be not drunk with wine, which is ruining your life, which is a waste of time, which is a road to destruction, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let God's spirit fill you with that, what that, what that alcohol used to do. Let God do it. And you're going to save a lot of money. And you spend time on your knees praying instead of knees on your, on your time on your knees throwing up. And you'll remember what you did the next day. When you spend all that money to have fun, you'll actually remember what you did. What a concept. Lord, we thank you for your word and your spirit that's here in this place. Lord, I thank you that you give me the boldness to preach a message that a lot of people don't want to talk about. I want to be right in your eyes. I want to stay as far away from things that I, as I can. Holy Spirit, as you deal with our hearts and our minds this morning, and <clears throat> every person here is in a different place. Some may be struggling with alcohol. Some may have left it and are tempted to come back. Some may not know they have a problem. Some may not have any desire at all for alcohol. Their problem is something else. Whatever it is, you're here. And you're the one that sets us free. And you're the one that transforms us and makes us new. Now, as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want to tell you a story, and I want you to picture it with me, okay? I want you to use your imagination. Let's go to imagination station for a second. Stay with me. Just picture what I'm going to describe. A man who's a king, has chariot drivers, and he needs to get from his palace to his workplace every day, and he has to go by a very dangerous mountainside with a humongous cliff on it. So he gets on Indeed.com before Indeed existed, and he says, I need someone to be my new chariot driver. And so he brings in three guys, and the first guy comes in, and he says, I need to get from my palace to the workplace, to the courthouse every day, and i got to go by this really dangerous place, and there's this mountain, and there's this really narrow strip, and I need to know how close you can get to the edge without taking us off that cliff because I don't, I don't want to die. How close can you get me to the first driver? And the first, first driver says, I think I could probably get you within one foot of that edge and we would be safe. He says, thank you. The second person comes in. He says, I need to get to that place. We go around this mountain. It's a hillside. There's a really large drop-off. It's very dangerous. I need to know how good of a chariot driver you are. How close can you get to the edge without us going off? And the second one says, I think I could get us within two feet. He says, thank you. Third driver comes in, tells the same story, asks the same question. And the third driver says, I'm going to get us from the courthouse to your house and from the house to the courthouse every day the safest way possible. I'm going to stay as far away from the edge as I can 
to get past that overpass. And the king says, you're hired. See, our problem is with our flesh is we want to try to get as close to the edge as we can and still be saved. Instead of saying, I want to get as far away from the appearances of evil as I can. Because not only is that thing evil, I've seen it destroy my family. I've seen it destroy my friends. So I'm going to stay away from it. That's your decision this morning. How many in this place with heads bowed and eyes closed, you're not able to get over the addiction you have or fix the problem you're in today, which might be drugs, might be pornography, might be anger, might be violence, might be all the above, because you haven't given Jesus the lordship of your life. And the only way you can truly be set free isn't just a higher power. It's Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, who died on the cross for your sins and disarmed the powers of Satan when he was nailed to that cross. And the only way you can be set free, because some of you have tried and tried and tried, and the only reason you haven't got set free is because God is waiting for you to fully surrender. And he says, you know what? Maybe you need to keep suffering. Maybe you need to keep having loss. Maybe you haven't learned your lesson yet. Or he says, but maybe you could just call on my name today. And you can just believe that I'm the one who can set you free. But without Jesus, you you can't do it. That 12-step program won't work. Just a higher power. It's Jesus. Jesus is the name that causes the spirits of intoxication and drug addiction and alcoholism to flee in seven directions. And that name of Jesus is powerful. And that name is here. He's standing right here today. And he's knocking on the door of your heart. And he's saying, let me in. I'll take over your life and you'll never be the same again. How many in this place, watching online, sitting in your chair today, have never Put Jesus Christ as Lord of your life. You've never surrendered to Jesus. Not religion, not this church, not a membership of a church, but relationship with Jesus Christ. You've never done that. Put your hand up and say, Pastor, pray for me. Today is my day. I'm giving my life to Jesus. Just put it up and put it right back down quickly. All over this place, you're talking to me. I don't know Jesus. I see your hand. I don't know Jesus today personally. There's people who are religious. There's people who know of. There's people who know about. But you don't know Jesus personally. He loves you today and he has a plan for you. Just surrender to him. You've tried everything else. Let God show you who he is. Let's stand all across this place. And as we do, even if your hand didn't go up today, is Jesus Lord. Have you made a public confession of your faith? If you raised your hand and you meant it, or maybe you didn't, but you're at your seat and you're saying, I need, I need to give my life to Jesus today because tomorrow's not promised to anyone. Would you just step out of that seat that you're in to the nearest aisle and come down to this altar and say, today I'm going to make a public confession of my faith. Today I'm going to put my faith in Jesus Christ. Today I'm going to believe and accept what Jesus did for me. Just come, find that aisle and come down here. We're going to pray. Lord, Holy Spirit, we thank you this morning. Holy Spirit, we thank you for being in the, in the live stream right now and touching hearts, touching minds, touching individuals, Lord. 
Lord, you're the one that draws people to you. You're the one who draws honest hearts. Maybe you're watching on this live stream and you're sitting in your car and you're half drunk, you're on drugs, you're suicidal, and Jesus says, stop. Stop trying to fill the void of your heart with everything but me. I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I come that you would have life and life more abundantly. If you're watching online or you're in this place today, say this with me, Lord Jesus, thank you for your mercy and your grace. I admit today that I'm a sinner. I'm lost. I'm powerless. I make too many mistakes. I have a sin problem. I need a Savior. Jesus, I believe with all my heart, and I confess it with my mouth, that you came down to this earth and lived a sinless life so you could be the ultimate sacrifice on the cross for my sins. I believe you died and you rose from the dead. And I ask you to forgive me of all my sins this morning. Wash me clean with your precious blood and make me a new creation. All the old things are passed away. And behold, all things have become new. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Thanks amen. again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.